Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. This morning I want to speak, I want to, I've entitled this message, um, Failure to Launch. Failure to Launch. Um, But if I were to give it a subtitle, I would say it this way, Ships That Never Sailed. Say it with me, Ships That Never Sailed. Say it again, one more time, Ships That Never Sailed. I want this to get down in you this morning. And I believe that as I'm preaching this word, I don't believe there's any one of us that will, be, that, that, that will be overlooked in this message. I think that every one of us are going to have faced some of the challenges that I'm about to share with you this morning, and every one of us are going to be challenged in that way to make a change, to make a decision. And in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 48, it's the story of King Jehoshaphat. He was the king over Judah. Uh, uh, there's another king over Israel at the same time, and, and we're going to talk about their relationship. But in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 48 and 49, Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed. For the ships were wrecked at Ezion Geber. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat, would not. But Jehoshaphat would not. This morning, and, and I'm going to read another passage coming out of Second Chronicles in just a few minutes, but goes, which, is a, which is another version of that same story, but a little bit more detail. But we see here that Jehoshaphat, he, he became king. In fact, the Bible says that he was a good king. He pleased the Lord. Um, but during this era as well, uh, King Jeroboam, who'd, who had been before him, had instituted or had brought in other gods of, to worship, and they were always Israel for several years leading up to their captivity. For several years, they, you have kings that pleased God and you have kings that were wicked kings. In fact, we would learn as we study this particular passage that Ahaziah was a, a wicked king. He was over Israel, Jeroboam, or I should say Jehoshaphat was over Judah, Jehoshaphat was pleasing to God. Ahaziah was not pleasing to God. The fact the Bible calls him a wicked man. Israel was always dealing with wanting to please God, but yet having what they called high places in the kingdom. And what they were, and what they were was people would go out and into secret places out in the woods and they would offer sacrifices to, to gods, which in reality was demons. And as a result, Israel was always going back and forth. They could never, during this era, experience full victory. And this would take them all the way up to their captivity when God would say, okay, enough is enough. But we see here that this man, Jehoshaphat, he actually was pleasing to God. He actually wanted to do what was right. And in, in, in the process of it, he began to build ships that he was going to send over to Ophir to a place that was known to have gold, and he built strong ships, tough ships. Ophir was, a, uh, was, a, was known for having large amounts of gold. He wanted to go and retrieve them. 
these ships were built with a purpose. Um, they were built with something in mind. They were built to go retrieve gold. How many of you know that God made you for the gold? He made you, he prepared you to go and retrieve something, to accomplish something, to fulfill something. And, uh, and when I think about various kinds of boats, I was looking this up yesterday, the various kinds of boats there are. There's cruisers, there's fishing boats, there's water sport boats, there's cargo boats, tankers, uh, passenger boats, even icebreakers, those that go up in the Antarctic and cut through the ice. There are all kinds of boats for all kinds of purposes. I don't know what kind of boat you are. Some of you might like to be that water sport boat, you know. You want to get out there on that, what do you call that, jet ski? You're like, that's the kind of boat I am, Pastor, okay. Others of you are like cargo ships. You're carrying great loads. That doesn't mean you're big. You're just, you got a lot of revelation, Amen. You may not look big, but you got a lot of cargo in your bay. You've got a load to drop off. You have something to deliver. Can you say amen? In fact, this morning as we prayed over the prayer team, I said, Lord, these people have a cargo to deliver. Words of knowledge, healing, revelation, whatever it is. God, may they be able to deliver that today. Amen? Come on now. And so we're... And so we see here that God has created, let me say it this way, you are a boat. Let's just call yourself a boat today. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a boat. I don't know what kind you are. You're a cargo, you're a ship, you're a schooner, you're a catamaran, you're a, a fishing boat, whatever you are. You have been created for a purpose, and what is that purpose? In the case of Jehoshaphat, he sent them to retrieve a treasure. He sent them to retrieve gold, to me, I look at gold as being souls for the kingdom. Amen? I look at gold as being revelations of Jesus Christ. I look at, I, I was made for a purpose. I was made to go and retrieve something. He made these boats to go and do just that. That was the very purpose why he made them. But then the word says that these boats were wrecked at Ezion Geber. Ezion Geber means, literally means backbone. In other words, it apparently was a hard place. Whether this, was the har this may have been the harbor they were in, and they were trying to get out of the harbor, but it was a hard place. It, it had the name Easy on Geber, Backbone. What it, maybe, it was, maybe there was a rock formation of sorts that resembled that. But in the process of sending these boats out, the word says the ships wrecked at Ebon Geber, Easy on Geber. They wrecked. They crashed. Um, something happened to them. Again, these boats were built for a purpose. They were built for a mission. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. They were prepared. They were made for a purpose. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And they were about to set sail. They were about to go out. I think that there are, there are many of you here today that God has created you for a purpose and you have yet to discover what that purpose is. Yes, the gold, but what is that gold? What is, that, how, how, what is it you're retrieving? What, how, what kind of a boat are you? Are you cargo? Are you a cruiser? Are you a passenger? Are you a fishing? Are you a catamaran? Are you, what are you? 
There are many boats, I believe, and we talked about it a little bit last week at the end of the service, how that there are those who've become born again, they've gotten saved, you ask Christ to come in your heart, but you have failed to launch. You've not gotten out of the harbor. You're still sitting anchored to the shore. You're still sitting anchored safely, if I could say it that way, and you have not launched out. You're t- you look out on the horizon, you look out at the potential, and, and, and you're thinking, I can't go there. That seems too much for me. Uh, I don't know how to get there. I can't get past the reefs. I can't get past just the harbor itself. I'm not sure what lies beneath or lies beyond. Just the thought of it gives you seasickness. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but I struggle with seasickness. I've probably been out deep sea about three times in my life, and every time I got sick. Every time. The first time I remember I was a kid, my dad, we were living in Florida. That's where I was born, central Florida. And my dad and granddad, they said, hey, let's get a boat and let's go out deep sea fishing or get on one of these boats. And so it was me and all my siblings, my brother, my sister, my three brothers, and then my dad and I, I and my granddad, we went out one day. And, uh, and I had never been out in the open seas before, especially in a boat. I mean, maybe a ship, like a crew, like a a big, one of those big type of cruise ships might be different experience, but the day we went out, I remember hearing my dad and granddad talking about saying, yeah, there's kind of a storm blowing in, but I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> those are not good words to hear. I didn't know what they were, you know, I had no idea what that meant. It was my first time. And I remember going out on the boat that day, and, and let me just say this, me and all my siblings, we spent a lot of time feeding the fish. I remember walking around the deck and my sister is just bowed over and it's just everywhere. She's vomiting all over the deck, you know. I remember going down. I just was looking for a place that would not rock. What do, you know, what are you supposed to do? What's the wisdom when you're sick on a boat? What are you supposed to do? Do what? Look at the horizon. And I remember I went down below and what do you know? The captain, he was serving up lunch that day and he's over there flipping greasy burgers and putting cheese and all the, you know, when you're sick, it's like the smell of a hamburger is just like 10 times. And I remember I was looking, and I found a bucket, and I just sat in the corner with that bucket. And I remember looking up one time, and the, and, the, and the chef, you know, he made himself a hamburger, and literally, he had the hamburger in his hand, and I saw grease running down his fingers. And I'm just like, <laughs> I just looked back in the bucket and just kept going. You know... And, and then, we went, then, my, then we went on our honeymoon some years later. Sherry's like, hey, why don't we go out on a boat? I'm like, well, for the love of my wife, I will. I was going to bring you a picture today that she took of me, and, I, and you could tell I was like not smiling. I was one of those cheesy smiles because my stomach was just churning as we're out on the boat. Some of you, at the thought of stepping out, it makes you sick because you don't know what to expect. But realize this, that like the Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered, that God has a hope and a future. So many, are, are, so many have believed the lies of the enemy and have remained in the harbor and have not ventured out beyond the break. Think of the miracles that God wants to perform. Think of the 
messages he wants you to deliver. Think of the missions he wants you to send you on. Can you imagine the miracles that we would not know of? For example, if Peter and John had not walked by the gate beautiful and they had not seen that lame man and they had not stopped and said, you know, I don't have silver and I don't have gold. You're my gold today. You're my silver today. In the name of Jesus, rise up and be healed. And they took him by the forearm and he jumped and he began to, the Bible said he stood, he walked, and he began to leap and to dance and to praise God into the temple. Think of the miracles that God wants to perform through you if you would just leave the harbor. Think of the, uh, think of the messages he would want you to deliver. What if Moses had never turned aside to that conspicuous burning bush? What if he had never taken his sandals off to understand that he was on holy ground? What if Joseph had never, uh, had never uh, spoken of his dreams of, the, of, of sheaves of wheat bowing down to his sheave or the sun, moon, and stars bowing down to him? What if he had never sent the message? What if he had never submitted himself to what would happen over the next 20-some years to, compl- to deliver a message of deliverance? When his brothers would come in, when he was in his early 40s by this time, his brothers would walk in and he would say, you did not send me here, but God brought me here to deliver you. Amen. What about the missions that God has purposed for you? What about the plans that God has for you? If you would just venture beyond the harbor, venture out of your place of fear, your place of timidity, your place of lack of faith. Um, I learned as I was reading this passage that if you read, in fact, you can flip it over to me, Second Chronicles chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20. The word says, later Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made a alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked, and he agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships after these were built at, after these were built in Izion Geber. And Eleazar, the son of Dadavahu of Maresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked, and they were not able to sail to trade in Tarshish. They were not able to sail and trade. The first passage I read to you, all we saw was the ships were destroyed. First, Second Chronicles 20 now tells us why they were destroyed. What happened? Jehoshaphat, and the other king had made an alliance. The other king was a wicked man. And God was not happy with Jehoshaphat making an alliance. Yes, what Jehoshaphat was doing was good. His idea was to go and retrieve gold, to go on a mission. But he had made an alliance with a wicked person. He had come into agreement with somebody that God never intended him to agree with. And as a result, the Bible says here that God would not let those ships leave the harbor. He would not let those ships go beyond the reef. He would not let them retrieve the gold that they were purposed for. I think that's probably one of the most critical things we need to think about when it comes to the ships that we're on, the boats that we're, that we're sailing here, is that 
are we able to, are we making unholy alliances, I could say it that way, alliances that are not lining up with God's word, alliances that are not true to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, alliances that, um, uh, that would undermine our faith in God. Maybe Jehoshaphat thought the only way I could get this done was to make an alliance. Maybe Jehoshaphat thought, well, we'll combine our monies and make an alliance. We'll combine our efforts and make an alliance. We'll take some of your men and we'll take some of our men. In fact, the previous passage said that King Ahaziah said, well, let my men join your men. But by this time, the ships obviously were destroyed and Jehoshaphat knew why. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. What are some reasons, what are some unholy alliances that, that can be made in fact, let me say it this way. What are some possible reasons why a ship would wreck? We've seen storms hit the coast of Louisiana. We've seen storms hit the East Coast. You've, uh, you see the, the earthquake that hit Japan a couple years ago and how that it, a tsunami came in, a storm came in, the ships that were in the harbor were just crushed and piled and stacked on top of each other. What are one of the ways that ships can be destroyed when a storm blows in? What's the equation of a storm blowing in? Circumstances of life. Things that happen that were, not, were unexpected. And somehow we begin to think, we begin to rationalize, we begin to think, well, why did this happen? Uh, why did this occur? Um, I didn't expect it. Is God really in control? Does he really know what's going on? And we begin to put more stock in the storm than we do in Jesus. We begin to put more trust in what just happened. I just got fired. I just lost my job. I can't pay the bills. I, uh, my family member got a phone call from the doctor. We begin to make alliances with those things, those storms that come in our life, rather than trusting that God is in control. Do you realize when we talk about peace, peace is not the absence of a storm, but peace is Jesus in the calm of that storm. What did he do on the boat when the disciples said, Jesus, look at here, we're about to go under. And they said, won't you? And he, the Bible says he was sound asleep. I've looked at what they said was the boat, you know, on these documentaries. I'm thinking, if there's water splashing over, how in the world did Jesus sleep with water just, <laughs> and wind blowing and water splashing and, and guys throwing up over the bow of the deck there? How, how did he, but he was as calm as a cucumber. Or should I say, cool as a cucumber. And they, they had to shake him awake, and he, and he basically rebuked him. He says, don't you know? And he went up to the bow of the ship, and the word says, he just declared, he says, peace be still. Peace is not just the absence of a storm. It's the peace in the midst of your storm. That when you are, and this is the thing, though, you can, you can see the storm coming, and you can just let it come. And let it chew you up. And let it destroy your ship and let it run you aground, and let it drive you to a place that you feel like you cannot recover, what are we doing? We're making unholy alliances. We're believing a lie, because that is not God's will for you. God made you for the gold, amen? God made you to go out beyond the reef, go out beyond the storm. Sometimes I've seen boats that will go out into the storm just to avoid getting crushed in the harbor. Why? Because they're trusting that they can withstand or go through the storm. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you, is the storm beating you up? 
Are you making an alliance? Are you coming into agreement with that circumstance and not with the word of God? Amen? I think we're all guilty. I'm guilty. Keep it real, Patty. Amen. I love that about her. She keeps it honest. She's saying what all of y'all are wishing you could say. (laughs) What's another reason why boats get beat up? It could be an enemy. Maybe enemies come in and destroy ships. You know, how many, how many wars have taken place where enemies come in and try to destroy a ship? Don't you know that the devil himself, he does not want you to sail? There, there may be even a demonic assignment against you. He's saying, you know what? I, I see what God has made them for, and I cannot let them leave the harbor. They've got gold in them. They've got destiny in them. They've got purpose in them. They're carrying a precious cargo. They're going after precious cargo. They're becoming fishers of men. They're going after souls. They have the capacity to carry great loads. They have the capacity to demonstrate revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't think that the enemy is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. But like Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. You can either choose destruction or you can choose life. You can either come into alliance with the enemy saying you're not good enough, you're not capable, who do you think you are, you've sinned too greatly, you've made too many mistakes. And yet Jesus says, my blood covers it all. My sacrifice covers it all. My power covers it all. There is nothing impossible, he told the disciples, for those who would just believe me. Take me at my word. What's a third reason? Number one, the storms. We make alliances. We just we enter into agreement with the circumstances of life. The enemy, we say, yeah, you're right, devil. I'm no good. I'm not capable. I can't get past this. I can't get over this. I can't move forward. Or thirdly, the reefs. In other words, maybe in their attempt to leave the harbor, there were reefs. I mean, the word calls the place a name, but it means backbone. Maybe there were rock formations somewhere in that harbor, and they did not know how to traverse those rocks. They were trying to steer the boat on their own understanding, their own knowledge, their own ability, and possibly wreck the boats there. You have storms, you have the enemy, but then you have self. When you attempt to steer your own boat, you'll end up on the reef. When you attempt to say, you know what, I got control, I'm going to lead my life the way I want to, as I want to, as I see fit, we see here that when those things take place, we can end up on the reef. I was watching, my wife and I were watching this movie a couple, about a month ago. I just had the name of it. And, um, and it was, uh, in that movie, it, was, it took place, back, I think, back in the 1960s. It was a true story off the coast of Massachusetts. There was this cargo ship that literally was in the storm, and literally the storm ripped this cargo ship in half. True story. And... Fortunately, 
the cargo ship was built in compartments and one half sunk with its captain and part of the crew. The other half remained floating, which was crazy. I never th- knew they could do that. And, but the countdown was on. There was a rip in the hull. They were trying to, to keep the water pumping out. But once the water was going to enter into the, kind of the, the, the airflow of the engines, then the ship would, sink, would quickly sink. And there was the uh, National Guard or Coast Guard there on the coast. And, of course, we're talking about wintertime, snow on the ground, ice, frigid weather. I cannot believe the conditions that they were doing this in. And, and the, the, the captain at that place on the harbor had to make a decision whether to send boats out to save. In fact, there were two cargo ships. One ultimately went down, but this one remained afloat. And he's, you could tell he's wrestling. Do I send someone out to retrieve the survivors off of that ship? And they sent two boats out. But in particular, the, the story was about this one boat and this one man who was willing to leave the harbor. Why? Because his captain told him to. All the people around him, the other, the other National Guard guys, were like, man, this is nothing but a death mission. We're going to our grave. We're not going to survive. This is not, that captain's crazy. And all he could say was, well, we've been told to leave the harbor. In fact, as he, and so they got in their boat, and we're talking about middle of winter, snow is coming down. We're talking about off the coast of Massachusetts, frigid waters. And they begin to go out, and they begin to get to that place called the break, where the ocean water is hitting the reefs, and it's creating this swell. And the swells were great by this time because the storm was so great. And they said at that point, they said, if we try this, we're not going to get back. It's not possible. And they just, and, but the one guy, I can't think of his name, but he says, we're going to do this. He was very quiet, soft-spoken. He was a man of choice and few words. And they're, they're all saying, okay, here we go. There's about five guys in this little boat. And they began to traverse and began to climb waves that were stories high until finally they were able to get past the break. They went under, their boat went under the water on numerous occasions but popped back up again and they kept on going. And in the meantime, because they went through the break in the process, they lost their compass. And so by the time they got out there, they're like, we don't even know which direction to go in because we have no compass. How many of you know that the way may not always seem clear, may not always be evident, but of course that's where faith comes in, isn't it? The path may not always seem clear, always seem evident, but that's where trusting God comes. And, they be, and by this time it's, pitch, it's getting to be pitch dark and all they have is their spotlight and they're looking around. And what do you know? They come upon this ship, half broken, floating. They could not believe it. All the while, those ship members are trying to keep the water, bailing the water until help comes, and even that was a pipe dream. And he came up on the boat, and he was able to retrieve. This boat that he took out can only hold 10 men, but he retrieved 32 men off of that boat. They were all stacked on the top of the boat, and they came back, and when they, by the time they came back, they were able to come back on smooth waters. The storm had passed, and they came back. And as soon as they got off the boat, the ship sank. And you can go back and read newspaper articles about it. 32 men saved because one man was willing to believe. 
the miracle of it, the message of it, the mission of it. Do you realize that God has created you to save people? You're not the savior, I get that, we get that, but you are the one who delivers the message. You're the one who delivers the miracles. You're the one who delivers a, a, a cargo of, of gold, the word of God. There are people out in the waves of life, out being destroyed and, be, and, and beaten down, and you are a boat that God has created to go out of, to leave the harbor and to save those who are lost. Every one of us, it might be your family, it might be your friends, it might be your coworkers, it might be the neighbors down the street, it might be uh, that you're called to, uh, to even uh, uh, a population of people. Let me just say this way, if you're sitting here today, you are called to the Hermiston population. Who is your neighbor? As we spoke about weeks ago, who is your neighbor? That next person that you come in contact with is your neighbor. I'm going to ask you this morning, has your ship sailed? Or have you made an alliance with circumstances saying, well, I just can't do it. I just don't know if I can rise above. I don't know if I can live the life that God calls me to. Are you believing the lies of the enemy, the plots that he has against you, saying, you know what, you're not good enough. You better not even try it. Or are you trying to steer this boat on your own, saying, you know what, I'm going to make my own choices, my own decisions, and you find yourself hung up on the reef? God says here, talking about Jehoshaphat, because he made an unholy alliance with, these th- with this other king, or could I say these things, God would not allow them to enjoy success. You be, I think it begins with this way. Sometimes we talk, you know, we talk spiritual warfare, and we talk about binding and loosing. We talk about you know, taking the city and all of that. But I believe the strong arm of spiritual warfare is obedience. Just doing what God asks you to do. Whether it's an action step to go talk to someone, pray with someone, visit someone, do something for someone. Or whether it's when he says, you know what? You've, in your heart, no one knows it but me. In your heart, you've made an unholy alliance. You've come into agreement with something or someone, and because of it, you are not going to be able to sail. You're not going to be able to accomplish all that I have prepared for you. And so the word says that that wicked king came to him again and says, hey, let's, and I think what he was saying was, let's do this again, let's try it again. And at that point, Jehoshaphat said, no, I'm not doing that again. In fact, the, word, the next verses go on in that first passage of Kings. It says, and Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers. You know, what could have happened if Jehoshaphat would have not made an alliance? What treasures would he have he discovered? What riches would have he gained? What, what testimony would have he had? What miracles would have been performed if he had not made an alliance with the enemy? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? But I have good news. Jesus is the master builder. Maybe your ship is beaten up right now, but he is able to restore it. Maybe it's been under attack. Maybe uh, you feel like you're on the verge of ruin, but Jesus is able to restore in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the word says this. 
we have, talking about the gold, talking about the treasure, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Could I rephrase that? We have this gold in ships. That the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Can you imagine yourself on the bow of a ship facing a storm? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Christ also may be manifested in my, or in our bodies. In other words, as we're carrying this gold, who is the gold? Jesus. We could be struck down but not destroyed, persecuted but not perplexed. We could face all the storms of life, and yet God says, you know what? The power is in me, if you'll trust me. Amen? And so this morning, as you can maybe give me some music here, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. Again, I think every one of us could answer this altar call, but... I'm going to give you an opportunity, and we have the prayer team that will come alongside and pray over people in a moment, but, but I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning, and I, and I want to make this low-key. I want you to be able to find a place where you can just take what you've heard said today and say, God, show me, my ally- show me the alliances I've made. Show me where the fear, the root of fear is at. Show me where my misunderstandings are at. And what I'm going to do, whether you want to turn around in the pew that you're in or you want to make your way around the, an altar and just say, I just, I just want to meditate for a moment. I just want to talk to God right now. I just want to say, Lord, I want to get out of the harbor. I want to get beyond the reef. I want to do what you made me for. I want to carry that payload. I want to, I want to reveal Christ in my life. I want to... He is that treasure in my vessel. I want to do everything possible. I don't want to sit here for one more day. I don't want to just let the storms of life beat me. I don't want the lies of the enemy to just keep coming down upon me. I don't want my self-will to get in the way. If for any of those reasons that I just named, and you can say, you know what, I I just want to take some time right now. Because I, I, I encourage you to do it. Because if you walk out, And this is not a manipulative statement, but if you walk out, it's easy just to say, well, okay, I'm on to the next thing. But God is speaking right now, and he's moving right now, and he wants to deliver right now. He wants to set free right now if we'll give him the the opportunity. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and put the mic down, but I want to encourage you, if you have to leave, please leave very quietly to respect those who are in prayer. If you see someone come forward and you know them and you just feel the burden to go pray with them, then go pray with them. I mean, this is a family affair. This is not every man for himself. This is not like the proverbial ship, every man for himself. No, we're all on the big boat. We're all on the same ship, going the same direction. And if you see someone who's hurting and is your neighbor It's time to minister to them today. Amen. And so, Lord, I just thank you this morning. 
I thank you, dear God, for this word. I thank you, dear God, for the challenge. I thank you, Lord, that, dear God, that you've created every one of us for a purpose. You've created every one of us with a mission and a message and miracles to deliver, a payload to deliver. And dear God, we don't want to make unholy alliances with circumstances or the enemy or even ourselves. But dear God, we want to come into agreement with you and your word. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Set us free from that harbor. Set us free from that lie. Set us free from those deceptions. Set us free from the fear of venturing out and venturing forward. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. Take some time today and and come around and just in your pew or around these altars and come uh, spend some time in prayer. And then members of the prayer team will come and lift you up in prayer as well um, for whatever needs you might have there. But but let's, let's everyone make some kind of a response here before you leave today.